means we believe in preaching through the entire book of the Bible. Books and chapters at a time. Family? Amen. And today we plan on walking through the book of Samuel chapter 3. Thank you, Deke. Samuel chapter 3. If you have it, say, I got it, Reverend. Now, the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days, for there was no widespread revelation. And it came to pass at that time, while Eli was lying down in his place, and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he couldn't see, and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and why Samuel was lying down, that the Lord called Samuel. And he answered, here I am. And so we ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you have called me. And he said, I did not call, lie down again. And he went and lay down. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and he went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. And he answered, I did not call my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again, the third time. So he arose, and he went to Eli, and he said, Here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Now go lie down, son, and it shall be that if he calls you, that you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went, and he lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called at his other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, Samuel, I'm going to do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. For in that day I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows because his sons made themselves vile and he did not Restrain them. And therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. So Samuel lay down until the morning and he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. 
And then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, he answered, here am I. And he said, what is the word that the Lord spoke to you? And please do not hide it from me. Will God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all the things that he said to you. And then Samuel told Eli everything and he hid nothing from him. And he said, Eli said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. So Samuel grew. And the Lord was with him. And the Lord let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel had been established as the prophet of the Lord. And this is the verse I love. And then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh. For the Lord revealed himself to Samuel. In Shiloh, by the word. And all God's people said, Amen. thank you for your patience tonight. Look at that beautiful person standing next to you. Say beautiful. beautiful. Oh, beautiful. beautiful. I know the brother's got a problem right there. <laughs> I'll give you a pass on that one, brothers. <laughs> but just tell them, this morning, this morning, my pastor wants to preach to you about a kid that God could use. Amen. You may be seated. Is there a children's church today? Oh, okay. Nursery. Amen. Nursery, come on, stand. Thank you, nursery. All the kids for the nursery. And the children's church, right? And the children's church. I'm getting confused. Amen. Amen. Children's church and the nursery. Children's church and the nursery. Look at all these babies. Lord have mercy. Yeah, me too. Amen. Good to see you, Sister Tamara. Amen. Let's begin. Today's text, family, is one of those narratives that brings you both joy and sadness. It brings joy because God has chosen to reveal himself to an unlikely person. And it brings sadness because one of God's best servants has brought calamity upon his own household by failing to obey the word of the Lord. On last week, as we were discussing what happens when the preacher's kids go bad, we discussed that uh, when a parent refuses to restrain their children from wickedness, then the end result must be rebellion against God. And we learned that the consequences were great and that the damages were unrepairable. And then as we come back to the text today, we're going to examine a few things in the life of a kid that God could use. And hopefully these things will help us to become better parents as we are raising children. 
Hopefully these things will make us better uncles and aunties and grandparents as we help parents to raise their children. We want them to find favor in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. And so uh, a kid that God can use, this sermon ought to bless you. So take some notes, even if you're not a parent, because this will give you a jump start when you get married. Amen. Amen. So I got three points today I'm going to give you, and then I'll get out of your way. Number one, we want to look at Samuel's call from the Lord. Number two, Samuel's conversation with the Lord. And then three, Samuel's confession to Eli. You got that, guys? Okay, so let's begin to work. The first point, Samuel's call to the Lord, covers the expanse of ten verses, so I won't read them all. I'll eat it in chunks. But let me start with verse one. The text says, now the boy Samuel, he ministered to the Lord. You should circle that right there. Before Eli. Did you catch that? And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. And there was no widespread revelation. Can I begin to work right here? Notice this, you guys. As we come to this text, the first thing we must visit is the culture and the context of the narrative. What's happening in here? What's the backdrop that brings us to this text? Here it is. Samuel at this time has been a miracle baby given up by his mom with a request that she had to God to give her firstborn baby back to God. Samuel is that child. And he's now 12 years old. He had grown up in the presence of the Lord and learned to serve in God's tabernacle. Now, even though he was serving in God's tabernacle, he had not yet had a personal experience with the Lord. Can I say some more? Culture and context tells us that this was not only normal, but it was perfectly normal for Israelite boys to grow up in the church serving as assistants to the priest and the priest's family. The second contextual thing about this text is that we get to see the posture of Samuel even before he has an experience with God. In other words, he's a child that's bent in a certain direction. He's not a normal child, for he's a child that starts off working for the Lord. He has some outstanding things about him that will allow you and I to see why the Lord possibly will call him. Y'all in here? The text says in verse 1 that the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. Here it is, Jasmine. He has a posture, daughter, for the things of God. Though he worked for Eli, his labor was not unto Eli. Are you with me here? 
his labor was unto God, even though he hadn't yet had a personal encounter with him. As a child, he loved the things of God. And everything he did in the Lord's house, what the verse is trying to tell us, Brother Grady, is that he did it unto God. In other words, the Lord was first in his service. And this boy, even though he was 12 years old, he had a mind already for the things of God. And this is what I believe caught God's attention. The next identifying characteristic in this text, Brother Tong, is that he ministered in difficult times in the tabernacle. What do you mean, Pastor? He ministered in the time when there was no word from the Lord. If you were here on last week, you saw in the tabernacle in which he was serving in. Hopfi and Phineas were gangsters in the tabernacle. Y'all remember that, right? They was jacking everything moving. Amen. They was taking the Lord's sacrifice. and They were sleeping with the women at the door of the temple. And Eli was a boy servant amidst that wicked culture. He ministered to the Lord in a time where there was no reverence for God in his own house. He ministered at a time when the priesthood was tired and growing dim. What do you mean? Look at verses 2 and 3. For the text says in verses 2 and 3 that... Eli was lying in his place when his eyes had begun to grow dim. The priest was going blind. Y'all see that there? And before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle, before the ark of the testimony, Samuel was lying down. What does that mean, Pastor? Samuel was ministering at a time when the priest could no longer carry out his duties. See, the priest's job at the day of the tabernacle was to never let the lamp of God go out before the Ark of the Covenant. So 24-7, Eli had to be up and available to minister before the Ark of God whenever God called him. But now because he's old and his eyes are going dim, his sons are wickedly perverting the temple, they're robbing God's offering, God ain't sent a word to Shiloh in a long time, but yet there's Samuel. Either y'all are all serious or I missed y'all all together. Come on, y'all got to lean in and talk to me this morning, all right? When we come to this text, we see that Eli had got to a point, Mason, where he could no longer do it anymore. And the functions of the priests were now missing in action. And the Bible says that God was now ready. To give revelation again to Israel. Can I, can I go back? Go, go back to verse 1 with me. I want to make sure you get it before I push on. Notice the boy Samuel. Watch this. See how the writer starts it? He ministered to the Lord before Eli. Then the text says, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. And then what's verse 2? And it came to pass. That at that time, y'all catch that? Then it lists off several different things that was happening. And then he says that verse 4, that the Lord, at that time, when Eli got too old, 
when there was no revelation of the Lord, when the temple was in disarray, at that time, God called Samuel. Y'all in here now? I tried to turn it. Did you catch it? Let me look at some more in the text then. God was now ready to give revelation again to Israel by his word. And to, he was ready to find someone who continued to, who would continue to serve as the priest of God for the people of God. Now, God hadn't spoken in a long time because of the wickedness in the temple that I talked about just earlier. But now we discover that the time was right. And there was now the time, Brown, for a new call from God. Can I say some more? It was in the combination of these things that led the Lord, watch this now, to share with Samuel what was on his heart for Shiloh. Can I back that up? God chooses a little boy, 12 years old. Let me run the rabbit, y'all mind? Ain't been to seminary. Ain't graduated from grade school. Don't know the Hebrew. Come on, talk to me. Hasn't been. He's nothing, y'all. Listen to me. And God chooses him to reveal his heart to. <laughs> when the time was right, God issued this call to this child. This verse is teaching me several things, Mr. Garcia. Number one, it teaches me that God can use the child who has a heart for the things of God. You should write that down, parents. God could use a child who has a mind for the things of God. God can use a child who has a desire to serve others. God can use a child that has a temperament, Taylor, that is bent toward worship and service. God can use the child that is unlike the culture around him and is not distracted by the sinful pleasures of the world. What am I trying to say? Parents, you got to bend them in the right direction. Y'all missed it, okay? If you bend them toward Tupac, that's how they're going to grow. If you bend them toward Beyonce, that's what they're going to emulate. But if you bend them toward Jesus, they'll learn to love like Jesus. Are you with me here? Hannah and Elkanah were responsible for bending Samuel in the right direction. And because they bent him in the right way, when he was in the right place and in the right position, he had the right posture. He was a, a child that God could use. Here's not, not in my text, but I think I asked the question, how, how about your babies? Are they kids that God could use? Or are they giving you hell already? Can I pass her through here? If they're probably giving you hell right now, you was bending them in the wrong direction. You were showing them things they probably shouldn't have never seen. And I ain't mad at you if you just came into the faith because you don't know no better. You don't know no better. But when you know better, you. Can I say some more? Another reason why I think God could call Samuel 
It's found right here in this text. Number one, he calls out to Samuel. Samuel, Samuel hears him, and he jumps up and he runs into Eli to find out who's calling. Another reason why I think God could call him is because Samuel had an ear to hear. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Verses 4 through 9, God calls him audibly. And he awakens every time that he hears the call. In other words, he's attentive, Reverend Mason, to the divine. He's sensitive to the supernatural. Y'all catch that? He's, he's tuned in with the holy. So when God is speaking, as a result, he responds, even though he ain't never heard him speak. Can I say some more? See, the text says that the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Y'all hear that? So Samuel had never heard the word of the Lord, even though he was in the temple. This ain't in my notes, but it's possibly to be in a church and you ain't never heard God speak. It's possible for you to be in church all your life. But because something is wrong with the office of the pastor, you ain't never heard a word from the Lord. However, 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 family, because Samuel is sensitive to the things of God, when he hears this voice, he knows that it's somebody calling his name. He ain't quite sure who, but he's tuned in to hear something. He thinks it's Eli. And I believe he thinks it's Eli, uh, Reverend White, because that's the voice of the one he's in subjection to. What do you mean? Well, well because Eli was old and near blind, Samuel had to minister to him in his every need. He couldn't find the lampstand. He didn't no longer know what the Ark of the Covenant was. So anytime he needed to move about in the temple, Samuel was his escort. In other words, he's a reliable servant. Even at 12 years old, he's in servant mode. And I think that's why God could use him. He may also think it's Eli because he knows Eli depends on him. Does that make sense? So when he hears this sound, he rises quickly to assist. He rises to be of service. He rises because, watch this, the one he loves is calling. And he's committed to serving him. Here's the application. I, I like this because I believe it reveals that God can call people who are already in submission to somebody else. You want to know why God ain't calling you? Check your submission list. 
This text reveals that God calls people, watch this y'all, who are already busy serving. He ain't necessarily calling nobody that's just sitting on the bench and don't want to be in the game. He calls the busy people. Can I say some more? This text reveals that God delights in calling people who serve other people. Watch this. Who are always serving others who are in greater need than them. Don't get it twisted. As a 12-year-old boy, he had needs. He needed to go outside and kick the ball. He needed to have somebody talk to him about life. He needed to have somebody be a father to him. His mother and daddy were back at their house. He was given to the Lord in service. He had needs for his psychological and social development. But yet he put his needs on the back burner. And he's putting Eli's needs before his. Oh, I missed a whole lot of y'all right there. All I'm trying to say is God is looking for busy servants, not tired servants. God is looking for humble servants, not people who want to be served. You'll catch that on the way home. God is looking for servants who will serve even in spite of the difficulty of the assignment. What do you mean, Pastor? Samuel had to get out of his bed in the middle of the night, walk across the dark tabernacle to go over to the bed of Eli and he don't even complain. You know you ain't getting out your bed. Somebody call you. You be talking about I'm praying for you. Go with her, Lord. <laughs> you know, we get real theological in this time. The angels are with you. We get deep. The spirit of God is everywhere. He <laughs> why y'all laughing y'all know am I telling the truth but guess what he does when he hears the voice he responds he says here I am did you call me wow in other words this text is teaching me brother deacons he could be inconvenienced and he didn't even complain he could be disturbed by others and he does not complain he says, here I am. Did you call me? Do you need me? Another reason why I think the Lord would call Samuel is that he was a child that obeyed. What do you mean, Pastor? Notice, after Eli gave him instructions on what to do, in verse 9, Samuel obeys what Eli says. Eli says, here's what you do, son. When you go back and lie down, if he calls you, say this. Y'all got that right there? This reveals that Samuel was an obedient child. I heard somebody yell it out back there. You're right, daughter. He was a child also that had what I call is a soft will. His will was pliable. He could be molded. He was a child that would listen to direction. He was a child that took heed to the instruction that was given to him. No rebellion is found in him. He was a child that could be instructed. 
So therefore the text says to Eli or Samuel, Eli says to Samuel, go lie down, son. And if it shall be, if he calls you, that you must say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So the Bible says that Samuel went to lay down in his place. Now look at verse 10. The Bible says, Reverend Wilson, that now the Lord came. Uh-oh. And he stood. And he called. Uh-uh, you missed the order. The first three times he just called. But now he knows his Samuel's ready. He comes presently. He stands physically. And he calls audibly. And Samuel answers, speak, Lord, curios, right? Supreme one over every area of my life. I love this text. Because it's powerful because though Samuel responds this way, he don't know why he's responding this way. He's just obeying what Eli told him to do. But can I put the car in neutral and pause right here? What's interesting to me about this text is, text is about Eli. Eli, watch this now, doesn't know what type of call this is. He knows that he didn't call. And that ain't nobody else in the tabernacle but you and me. So this must be God. Can I say some more? As, as parents, we got to pay attention to this verse because there's some serious Reverend Blackburn parental obligations that are in this text. Number one, Eli got to know who called him. He got to know this ain't a call from the world. This ain't a call from the flesh. Eli has got to have ears to hear. Number two, Eli has to have his own personal relationship with God. In order to discern that this is the Lord speaking. Eli's got to be sensitive, attentive, and aware of the voice of the Lord. Or else he can't teach Samuel what he himself don't know. But because he's aware of the call of God, he can give him instruction. And I like this again. And I'm getting back to Samuel, but let me deal with Eli. I like this. I like this. Lokalani, my daughter, because the word of the Lord was rare. In other words, God hadn't spoke to Eli in a long time. Y'all catch that? And now God wants to talk, but he don't want to talk to Eli. Eli's waiting on the word. But because of his rebellion and idolatry, God then shut down the news with Eli. I ain't even talking to you. Have you ever been there? Felt like you need a word from the Lord, but there wasn't no word? You ought to check your idolatry. You ought to check the stuff you put before God. Maybe there's a reason why you can't hear no more. When I look at this text, this is important for parents to grasp. We, I'm, I'm happy that New Beginnings have so many babies, but I'm cautious. I'm cautious also that we bend them in the right direction. So we don't spend money on lawyers and juvenile halls. 
We got to teach our children early, Sister Crawford, how to hear God's voice. We must teach them what to say. Watch this now. When they hear God speak. Did y'all catch that right there? And then the text says, I'm back to Samuel now. The Lord called him again. He stood in a physical body. This is what you call in the Old Testament a theophany. Somebody say that. One more time. One more time. A theophany is an Old Testament appearance of Christ. So here, God is into Samuel. He comes and he stands. And now he issues the call and Samuel answers. Can I say some more? This is beautiful because though God had never, or rather, though Samuel had never heard God speak, he never seen an Old Testament theophany. Now he's going to get to know God intimately. And I want to encourage somebody today to teach your baby how to talk with Jesus. Teach your baby how to submit to God. Teach your baby how to be prepared to see him, to feel his presence when they pray to him. Teach your child to expect God to show up. When they have a conversation with Jesus. Having a conversation with Jesus ain't like having a conversation with you. Because they ignore us half the time when you talk. Come on, talk to me. Teach them to be present when they're conversating with God. I like this right here. Tell them that God will be present when they hear his voice. Can I unpack some more of that? Look at point number two, Samuel's conversation with the Lord. How am I doing? Am I too hard for you? Am I going too fast, too slow? Dr. Belkel, when we look at point number two, Samuel's conversation with the Lord, the Bible says that then the Lord, he said to Samuel, behold, I'm going to do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears will tingle. Circle that. Why, Pastor? Because God has given him some information here. He says, and in that day, Samuel, I'm going to perform it, watch this now, against the one you love, Eli. And all that I have spoken concerning his house from the beginning now to the end. For I have told him, Brother Dexter, that I will judge his house for the iniquity which he knows about. Because his sons made themselves vile and he did not restrain them. And therefore, Samuel, I've sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or by offering forever. Can I work right here? When you come to this verse, God is unpacking for Samuel his very first conversation with God. And notice this. This call is not a call for Samuel to do something. We read this oftentimes and say, this is a call for Samuel to preach. No, it ain't. This is a call for God to introduce himself to Samuel. Can I say some more? God doesn't call him to give him instruction before he calls him to introduce his holiness. Before God ever gives an assignment, he always introduces who he is. Or you don't know who you're working for. 
And you don't know what the standard is. He is revealing what he's going to do in the earth. Why? So that others may get to know who he is. Can I say some more? Brothers and sisters, this is what I call, um, yes, affirmation how scripture is consistent. What do you mean, pastor? This is the same thing he did with Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, the apostles, and he does it with you and I. Before he calls you and gives you something to do, he always calls you and reveals to you who he is. That's just good preaching. I don't care where you're at. He always reveals himself first. And then after the establishment of the divine relationship, Garcia, then he issues a call to commune with him. And that call is always a call to obedience. So as we're teaching our children, we first must teach them about the holiness of God. So as they hear God speak, they'll know he's holy. And there is no one in the earth like him. If you don't teach him he's holy, they won't have fear of God. They'll be like Miley Cyrus, out of control. You know why that's sad? Because her daddy claimed to know Jesus. But something went wrong. The text says, the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I'm going to do something. When I look at this, this word, do something, it discovers for me, Reverend Tongo, it helps me to discover, rather, that God is on the move again in Shiloh. Do something declares that he is, or rather, he has not forgotten about his people. And what he's going to do, the Bible says he's going to do it in the ears of those people that have both ears. And when he does it, they're going to tingle with understanding. Can I open it some more? Daughter Rose, the text is saying that God is going to, yes, once again, display the revelation of his word. The thing he was going to do, in other words, was going to make people talk. Here it is, Tonton. He was going to cause conversation in Israel again. And the thing he was going to do was going to turn their hearts back to him for worship. What was he going to do? Kill the preacher? And kill his kids? And everybody in Shiloh was going to know why it happened. Can I say some more? He was going to kill them, as he says in the verse, because Eli failed to restrain his sons from doing wickedness in the ministry. This was going to cause people to talk, and people were going to speak of God one more time. And this time, they would get to know more about him because they had seen him perform this before. Let me pause for a minute. Parents, you've got to, from the time they're little, start putting in them the discipline to fear God and to respect you. 
I know they pretty and they cute and they got buttons and ribbons and all that. I love their Laker gear and their Raider gear. I love all of that. But the first time they raise their hand at me, that's the first time they know the fear of God. Why? You're trying to bend them in a certain direction. And if you don't bend them down there, they're going to bend you when they get up. I almost went there. I almost went there. No. When I read this text, here's my application. Here's what I get. Sometimes God communicates through calamity. Let that sit in for a minute. We often don't want to hear him speak, but the fact that he let the public school system go through what they're going through is a reminder you left God out. Some of us won't listen until calamity is in our living room. Am I talking to you? Sometimes God communicates, brothers and sisters, through bad news. Sometimes God communicates by removing people from the ministry. Sometimes God communicates with stuff you don't want to hear. But when he does, everybody who has an ear to hear can hear. Am I making sense? Samuel has been chosen to know, watch this, to know this about God at a very young age. Isn't that something? I remember, I remember, I remember. Let me just park for a minute here. I showed a video a couple months back about some Christians who were getting beheaded for their faith. And some parents lost their mind in here. They felt like you shouldn't have done that. But the same kids are watching them violent video games at home. You don't take the controller. But if they understand now that there's an enemy that wants to kill them because of the God their mama and daddy serves. Watch this. They don't become fearful. They become briefed. They become soldiers who understand why mama and daddy are sold out to God. And you got to bend them early to know that this world is not your home. And this world is going to mistreat you. And that Jesus said, in this life, you shall have tribulation. And if you bend them that way, they'll be soldiers. But if you try to protect them from seeing that, they'll be weaklings. Who will be double-minded. And tossed to and fro. And don't know how to stand or defend the faith. I wish I didn't have to say that, but I had to say that. Samuel gets this news at 12. I'm going to kill your pastor. And I'm going to kill his sons. And I'm telling you, 
And everybody going to know now that I'm God. In other words, he gets to see the holiness of God. Watch this, y'all. Before he gets called to be a judge and a prophet. He's going to be the last of the judges and the first of the prophets. But he ain't got the assignment yet. The first thing he got to understand is who it is who's calling him. I'm trying to preach up here. Y'all going to help me? He gets to know who it is that's conversing with him and who it is his life has been dedicated to. Samuel gets to know that the Lord is God and he's holy. He gets to know that, watch this, here it is. This one really messed me up, sons and daughters. This really messed me up. Samuel gets to know that God is no respecter of persons. And that he will punish those who are in rebellion against him. This just kept me up all night. God ain't got no problem whooping nobody. Just because I'm the lead pastor or senior pastor, I don't get away with sin. Just because you've been with the Lord all your life, you don't get away with sin. One scholar commenting on this text says something powerful to me. He said, Wilson, what I learned about Samuel in this verse is that whoever surrenders to the Lord, the Lord is willing, or rather whoever surrenders to the Lord and is willing to listen will always learn God's will. That's powerful. You should note that down or tweet that or something. If you're willing to surrender, God will always give you the discernment to know his will. If you're not willing to listen, you're going to keep doing the same old dumb stuff over again, wondering why you're getting the same results. You can go back and get your money from that counselor now. <laughs> Second thing I learned in this text, or this, this, this scholar shared with me, he said, Wilson, Eli had disobeyed the Lord. And watch this. He put his family before God. So God couldn't speak directly to him. <laughs> in other words, he was saying that God was trying to talk to Eli, but his kids had his ear. Boy, if that ain't American parents. God trying to talk to you, but your babies think they know what's best for their life. Y'all not hearing me? Can I let my hair down? One thing I notice about incoming freshmen every year, they think they know something. You don't know nothing. You ain't lived long enough to know nothing. You just figured out your name. You know what I notice about seniors? You don't know nothing. You went through four years, wrote all those papers, and now you know more than your mama? Please. You know what I notice about us? We don't know nothing. God is the only one with infinite wisdom. 
And we ought to spend our lives at the foot of the throne. Because I don't know nothing. And the little bit I do know, I forget before I get home. Come on, say amen. They may start thinking you. All right, all right, all right. Third thing I noticed about what the scholar said to me, he said, Wilson, in this message of judgment on Eli's house, I bet it weighed heavy on Samuel's heart. And I pondered in my office and I thought of it. I was like, wow. I can only think about my own kids. If God had whispered this to Lionel or Alex or Aaron at that age about me, and they've been introduced to a holy God, what that would have been like to have to tell dad, God mad at you, man. You know me, go in there and get my belt. Talking about God mad at me. I'm going to show you who mad. <laughs> Don't you come in here lying on God, right? <laughs> but I listened to him and, I, and I, I wrote, I said to the scholar, I said, I echo your sentiments. And I echo them because if Eli refused to restrain his kids, God had no other choice than to release his wrath. If Eli failed to restrain his kids, God's hands was tied, and he had to release his wrath. The Bible says that God was going to judge the house of Eli, and the judgment was going to be irreversible. You see that, guys? Verse 14. And therefore, I have sworn to the house of Eli, watch this, that the iniquity, that's the word for sin, of Eli's house, right? That's his sons. Watch this. This is the scary part, Reverend Mason. Shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Let me unpack that a little bit. Can I unpack it? Here we see, Sister Gary, I mean, Sister McBee, here we see, daughter, that there is no atoning for this sin. What do you mean? It's unpardonable. It's unforgivable. No sacrifice, Tommy, will fix this. No offering is going to make God change his mind. That this sin was unpardonable because it was a sin of unbelief. Can I say some more? There's only one sin that God won't forgive. That's the sin that you say, I don't believe in you. And if you don't believe in him, can't no sacrifice cover your sin. Y'all in here now? You can go back and look at chapter 2. Why this was irreversible. The sacrifices that were brought to the temple by the children of God to be sacrificed before God was to first of all, watch this now, cover their sins, and then the priest was to take some of their offering and offer it for themselves. But they took the offerings and didn't offer them to God. They kept the sacrifice for themselves, which implied they did not believe in the sacrifice.
And that's why God says there is no atoning by sacrifice or by offering. That's just good Bible. Here's what I want you to know, family. Where there is unbelief, there can't be no salvation. Write this down. Where there is no repentance, there is no forgiveness of sins. Where there's no repentance, there's no forgiveness of sins. I don't care how many times they say the prayer. If there's no repentance, there's no turning away from sin. There's no change in your life. There ain't no salvation. Stay in here. I've been to a lot of funerals where we try to preach people in heaven. They said the prayer, but yeah, they was killing people all the way to the grave. They said the prayer when they were six years old. Yeah, but from six, they ain't never come to church. They said the prayer such and such time. I heard them. I was there. But there's no fruits of repentance. And where there's no repentance, there's no salvation. The evidence that you've been saved is the, the production of fruit in your life that you've been walking with God. Don't mean God don't love you. He love everybody going to hell. God is love. Because he loves you, he sends you to hell. Y'all in here? Samuel had to hold on to this message at 12 years old. What, what, what's frightening for me in this text, and I'm almost through, what's frightening for me in this text is that Eli was close to God. And what a tragedy to work for God, but have a family that don't know him. What a tragedy to save other families, but lose your own. What a tragedy to shepherd souls and then lose souls. What a tragedy to help somebody else's kid, but can't help your own. God communicated this to Samuel, and he had to carry this bad news about his father in the ministry, his mentor, the man he loved, and the man who loved him back. Samuel had to carry this conversation in his little tiny bosom until the morning. And I wrote myself a note here, Sister Wilson, love of my life. Sometime God, or rather, sometime being a friend of God is a heavy burden to carry. Can anybody resonate with me right there? Sometimes being the friend of God is a load you don't want to have. Sometimes God will tell you things that you wish you never had to know. Sometimes God will invite you as his friend in on a conversation that you never wish you had. In other words, it can be a lonely and a fearful thing to have a little talk with Jesus. It can be a burdensome chore, Brother Deacons, sometime to have information 
from God about the people you love. I wrote myself a note here. All of God's news ain't good news. Uh-uh. Eli was, was going to die, but his sons were going to die as enemies of God. Eli was an enemy. He just disobeyed God. But his children rejected God. So there could be no salvation for them. As an old man, he gave his life to the ministry. But his ministry was going to end in sadness. And his family would not be saved. His disobedience in the ministry was going to cost him. And Samuel knew it before Eli did. Here's my third point. Samuel's confession to Eli is short, so let me be through. So Samuel, the Bible says, in 15, laid down until the morning. He got up. He opened the doors of the temple, which was his job. And Samuel was afraid, the Bible says, to tell Eli the vision. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, he answered, here I am. Eli said, what is the word that the Lord spoke to you? And don't you hide it from me. Or God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me, all the things that he said to you. And then look at the obedience of the baby. In verse 18, Samuel told him everything. And he hid nothing from him. And Eli said these words. It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. Did you catch those words? That's the words of a servant of God who recognized he has not been pleasing to God. And he's willing to throw his hands in the mercy of God. And as he does this, he's willing to say, God, I've wronged you, so you be glorified, even if it means killing my sons and them not living with you for all of eternity. In other words, sometimes becoming a messenger for God, in spite of the difficulty of the message and the effect of it, is what we have to do. And Samuel has been burdened with this terrible blessing. Well, as I get ready to close, a scholar whispered in my ear about Eli. He said, Wilson, because Eli wasn't able to hear a word from the Lord, God knew he had to send a word to Samuel. You catch that? Eli's blurred vision of his kids kept him from hearing from God. His kids became his God. And that kept him from hearing and operating and doing what God wanted him to do. So God had to bring a, a child in order to speak to him. Then he closes, scholar says, he said, Wilson, while we don't admire Eli's failure with his own family, we do admire his resignation to God's will, even though it meant the death of his sons. I'm closing now. Warren Wisby, though, whispered in my ear. He said, Wilson, I picked up five things I think New Beginnings might want to hear. I said, what are they, Warren? He said, number one, I think they'll want to know. They ought to never underestimate the power of sin in the family. Yeah. I said, what are you saying, Warren? Should we be parents that expose sin to our children? 
Yes. He says, Eli's sons, Wilson, they needed discipline, but he pampered them instead of disciplining them. And I said, well, I'm going to tell new beginners to be parents that discipline your children. He said, third thing I learned is that the cost of his life, or rather this cost Eli his life, but eventually it cost his family the priesthood. I said, I got it. Then I'm going to tell them, be committed disciples of Jesus Christ. And don't let your ministries be for sale. Number four, he says, never underestimate the power of prayer in the home. Yeah. Hannah and Elkanah were people of prayer, and God answered their prayers. And I want to remind you today, be a parent who prays for your kids, over your kids, with your kids, about your kids. Don't regulate prayer to somebody else for your kids. He said, don't forget to tell them the reason why we're blessed today with Samuel is because of Hannah. Mama prayed for that boy. And she got him from God. And she gave him back to God. And she taught him how to pray. And as a result, he becomes the last of the judges and the first of the national prophets. And we learn from this text that God speaks through children. God will give them ears to hear. I'm through preaching. But I'm so glad the text don't end on bad news. Amen. The Bible says in 19, so Samuel grew. And the Lord was with him. And the Lord let none of his words fall to the ground. And all of Israel, somebody say all of them. All. From Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel had been established as the prophet of the Lord. And verse 21 got me happy. Can I say it like I feel it? Then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh. Why? For the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh. Watch this now. Not by miracles, not by visions, but by the word of the Lord. Isn't that good news right there? As we close this thing today, listen, God prospered Samuel and gave him a ministry to all of Israel. When he came to Shiloh, there wasn't no word. But now there's not only a word in Shiloh, there's a word from the top. All the way to the bottom. And there's a preacher who's in Shiloh who got a word from the Lord. Oh, heck, new beginners. Come on, help me through here. The text says that the Lord appeared again in Shiloh because he revealed himself to Samuel. I'm praying today for Fresno, California. I'm praying. Y'all know why? We need a word from the Lord. I'm praying for this city that God would reveal himself just one more time. I'm praying today that God would reveal himself to our families, to our children, to our politicians, to our governments, and to our nation. Because we need a word 
from the Lord. Is there anybody here today that want to see the glory of God return back to Shiloh? Is there anybody here today that want to see the joy of the Lord come back into the temple? I know he's able today. I know he can do it one more time. And I think that God wants more than ever to reveal himself in his own pulpit. He revealed himself in Shiloh. And that means he can reveal himself in Fresno. He revealed himself to a people that had forgotten what it was like to say amen. And I'm so glad today that God can repeat that. He showed up for me when I was in a cell. He showed up for me when I was on trial. He showed up for me when I was in the hospital. And I know he'll appear one more time. I wish I had a few witnesses that are in need of a word from the Lord. Won't he show up in the midst of your trial? Won't he show up in the midst of your pain? Won't God be present, a very present help in a time of need? Has God ever showed up for you? Has God ever came through for you? If he hasn't, then come go with me down memory lane and I'll show you how God showed up and how God showed out. I heard, I heard humanity was in trouble and God stepped out of heaven, born through a virgin, came through 42 generations to show up on your behalf. I heard Jesus came down wrapped in swaddling clothes, gave sight to the blind, gave hearing to the deaf. He did that to show up on your behalf. I heard he walked on water. He calmed the storms to show you how much power he has in your crisis. He showed up and he showed out. I'm happy right here. Can I preach it all? He's a God who will reveal himself in the midst of a dark situation. I heard Lazarus was dead. Body started to stink. But he showed up and brought him back to life. I heard blind by the mayor, shut by the roadside begging. But he showed up and gave him back his sight. I'm closing now, but I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm so glad today. The greatest appearance we've ever seen in history was the time he showed up at a hill outside of Golgotha out on the cross he showed up as the lamb of God to take away the sin of the world he died didn't he die 
He died to the earth rocked and reeled. He died, didn't he die? He showed up to die in your place. That was your crime. That was your sin. And he showed up on your behalf. I'm gone, y'all. Adios. Arrivederci. He died, but death couldn't kill him. I heard he showed up in the depths of hell, took the sting out of the grave, victory over the dead, and he rose. Didn't he rise? He rose. Didn't he rise? Early Sunday morning with all power, all power, all power, all power of heaven and earth in his hands, and he's still been showing up. The good news is, caught a cloud, went back to glory, sent down his spirit, and shows up everywhere. At all times, in every situation, can I give you some proof? When I laid down last night, he was there. The earth was spinning on his axis. He was there. The moon was doing her thing. He was there. Woke up this morning. The sun was in full effect. He was there. I rolled out of bed. Put two feet on the ground, wiggled my toes, and he was there. Stepped out, looked in the mirror, counted my grades, and he was there. Brushed my teeth, swallowed some water, and recognized he was there. Turned on the shower, the water came out. I gave him praise, he was there. Jumped my clothes, grabbed my old iPad, started a car, it worked, he was there, came to the church parking lot, saw the children of God, studying the word of God, he was there, in the house of the Lord, I'm closing now, if you ever, if you ever, need him to show up, look around, count your feet, Touch your eyebrows, feel your heart. You didn't do that. Tell somebody he's there. He's there. He'll show up just when you need him. Can I have five people? Just five people. Shake somebody's hand and tell them I want to be the kind of kid God uses. Give the Lord some praise. Give the Lord some praise.